This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Getting- Mike on Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Heward, not exactly Joe Cap there in the pocket. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. That's a good point from the 206. Moore does like to keep her friends finger length away. Keep your friends finger I saw someone text yeah. in today. I learned Mora is a literal cat person. Like Taylor Swift is a cat person. The, the over huggers are cat people. I'm a dog person. That's true. <laughs> Mora is a dog person. And by the way, Gertie coming into the uh, the building right after the show today. One one week now I can't with wait. Gertie. She's going to be coming in to visit, meet you guys, and uh, probably pee on something, which is uh, sort of what she does right now. Yeah. So <laughs> if that's what you're looking Mark's for, territory, Gertie, it's your spot. That's not even really a marking thing. It's more like she's a gets she's a, Puppy, a girl yeah. dog. I mean, it's like excited. they don't mark quite the same way. Mm. Brock, what are you looking forward to this week in Vegas? Not that we're going to be down there. We're going to talk to Jeff Passan on Wednesday. And Jeff asked me if we were going to be down. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. we really only go if the Seahawks are going to be there. And, mm-hmm. you know, when that's in Detroit or when that's in, uh, you know, some of the other cities, the Indianapolis, I'm always like Houston. Like, oh, OK, this isn't that big a deal. But Vegas. You know, Vegas for a full week. I don't know. I could have I could have been convinced to go there and be yes. a part of the festivities. Yeah. Radio Row down in Vegas. Yeah. Looking at the pictures of it a little bigger than the Radio Row was in Houston, yeah. from Michigan, Washington. Yeah, I could have been convinced. Yeah. If you needed me to go to Vegas this week, talk to some people in the morning and uh, maybe take a few of the days off if I needed to mm-hmm. just sort of hang out in Vegas. But um, is there anything you're looking forward to with this game? With this, this is week? a little harder one because these you feel like, you know, every one of these storylines. This is not one that, that you know, there, there's some matchups over the course of the week and certain teams at the play. And you're like, OK, I'm kind of curious how this is going to unfold. Where mm-hmm. is this going to go? Like, you know San Francisco. We know San Francisco. We know all of their stars. We know Kyle Shanahan. We've known now the Brock Purdy story for two years. And so it feels like all of those stars and every one of the chapters that they've all written is just kind of there. And then even more so on the Kansas City side with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey right. and Spagnola and what and the run through the AFC playoffs. And I don't know. This one just not not that's gonna be a boring in a boring week. I think it'll be a great game. I think it'll be a tremendous matchup, and we'll see if Shanahan can get over the hump. Am I crazy, or is San Francisco like a much better team if you look at the full roster than Kansas City? It's just that they don't have Patrick Mahomes. Well, I would. I don't. I don't know about that. Like the interior of Kansas City's offensive line, much better than the interior of San Fran's offensive line. Kelsey and Kittle, different. You know, but you got the best pass catching, the best, you know, run blocking. Mm-hmm. Certainly quarterback wise, the experience and the way Mahomes plays I mean, like, and everything it, he does. It, it feels like half of the players on Mahomes' team are trying to sabotage his chance to go to the next level. Somewhat, but then defensively. His receivers per- stink. Yeah, his receivers are not anywhere no, what no, he's no. had. They stink. No, the, they're the rookie, terrible. No, the rookie. The rookie's had okay. Him. He's had a really nice He's year. pretty good. What's his name? Rashi Rice? Rice. He's yes. pretty good. He is. The other guys look like they're purposely trying to tank the season. They look like they have money on the other team. Yeah, but if you've got a bit of a run game, you got a play-action game, you have a screen game, you have a, the best tight end in the game and the best QB, you can offset some of those things. And Kansas City's defense has got a – their back end is much better than San Francisco's back end. Certainly Snead and some of the others and mm-hmm. Tranquil. I mean, they've, they've got more pieces than just Patrick Mahomes and a bunch of nobodies. God, it sure feels at times like it's just Mahomes dragging yep. that team with it him. Does. Not that those guys aren't good. You're right, Brock. I'm not going to – they're obviously more talented than one or two players. But they don't feel – Is near- part of that because of his contract? 
I mean, maybe it is. It also feels mm-hmm. like they've just made some bad decisions at wide receiver and some other spots. But you can't pay everybody, right? I mean, you just can't. Yes, but I mean, look at the guys they decided to keep. I mean, like they just haven't worked out. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like San Francisco has so many weapons. And you look at them, the defense is so built up and the offense has so many guys. Maybe. And I don't I don't mean to just get caught up in, you know, the skill position guys, but mm-hmm. God, they uh, they do. Kansas City's a favorite, right? Mm, I, don't I think thought they so. were like a no. two or three point favorite. I no? think San Fran opened a two point favorite okay. and then went down to a one point. So no, I, I think it, it's close to a pick. I think Kansas City's gonna win the game just because of Patrick Mahomes. But it's weird because I feel like San Francisco is a much better football team. Well, if you're going to beat Mahomes in a Super Bowl, you know what you have to do. You have to rush him. You have to hit him. You have mm-hmm. to do what Tampa Bay did, when they just as the Giants did to uh, to the GOAT when he was playing in 2006 or whatever. That Like, you're just going to have to hit and harass and get to him. But they've got a little more run game. You know, and you look at the way, and, and I appreciated Justin last night sending us, you know, the salary cap for next year, and it's a pretty good little picture. And it was a bar graph done showing where all of the allocations go and the expenses go. And you can still see the Seahawks from an offensive line standpoint, just tiny, mm-hmm. tiny compared to, you know, the Chiefs that have spent, you know, Creed Humphrey spent a second round pick and Joe Tooney, they paid through the through the nose and tackles that they've invested in. I mean, they, they know that that's still one of the biggest keys. And if we've got to offset it with some inexperience at receiver, go pick up the pieces, Patrick, go, go elevate those around you. And he has certainly done it. San Fran's been able to live off of Brock Purdy, make it nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. So they can pay Debo and they can pay Trent Williams and they can pay Fred Warner and they can pay Ayuk and they can Mm -hmm. pay Christian McCaffrey and they can pay George Kittle and they can pay, you know, all of these stars that make a whole lot of money. Now, I think it's going to be an incredibly compelling game and Vegas is an awesome spot for it. We can now add Vegas to New Orleans, Miami, the Rose Bowl, having been down there mm-hmm. for the Pac-12 title game, Salk, it's a walking distance, right? The, the football stadium is beautiful. It's well done. It's a tremendous place as a fan, you know, to watch the game. Yeah, Phoenix you know, is a good one, too. I mean, the, yes. just it works well in the Phoenix area. I, I know the NFL's tried to kind of go around to all the I, – I would be perfectly content. No, knowing that we're never going to get it here in Seattle, as much as that bothers me. If that's not going to happen, I would like for them to go to just a rotation of Miami, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and Phoenix. Do you think there's and any New Orleans, way? And New do you Orleans. Think, do you think there's any? You think there's any way they're putting artificial grass into Lumen Field I to host that. these World Cup matches in 2026? Yeah. I think there's any way to retroactively put a retractable roof on the stadium because if there was, you would have a Super Bowl in Seattle. Yeah, I hope not. I don't want that. <laughs> I mean, like that? I would like a Super Bowl, but I don't want a retractable roof on there. I think the elements are part of it, and I, yeah. I, I'm pretty content with the way that that stadium functions. So Agreed. that's not something I would want them to do. I am, however, willing to rent out my house for the two weeks that the World Cup is here. Oh yeah. Yes. Okay. What do you think I could get for that? Well, it's a little early. I think it's a little early. I'm willing, now. like, but if you get a good deal by mm-hmm. booking it now, I'd be happy to probably, like, like the buy it now price on eBay. How many matches are coming? Six? Six matches over Six the course of two matches. weeks, including a U.S. match. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to get out of town okay, and let somebody rent the house if that's, mm-hmm. you know, what they're looking for. Hey, speaking of which, Sports Star of the Year awards, uh, the 89th Sports Star of the Year are coming up on February 15th. KJ, 
Our buddy, K.J. Wright, is this year's host. Seattle Sports is going to be there as well to celebrate the biggest sports stories. And athletes of 2023 get tickets and info at seattlesports.com slash events. By the way, quick update. K.J. Uh, is heading to the Super Bowl. So no KJ for us this week. He's going to join us next week instead for what will unfortunately be the final KJ Wright show of this year, which is a huge bummer. But uh, better to do it, I think, after the Super Bowl anyway. So KJ will come in and kind of put a wrap on the year with us. A week from Wednesday, Jeff Passam will join us this Wednesday at 8.30 to start previewing some Mariners. In fact, we're going to go a little deeper on that in 20 minutes right after everything you need to know next. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Still waiting on the Seahawks to announce more of their coaching staff under Mike McDonald. I understand that they were at the Senior Bowl for the last few days, so that's going to put a little uh, delay in everything. But it didn't stop them from signing up Leslie Frazier to be an assistant head coach. And obviously he'll play some sort of a role on the defensive staff. I'm really excited about that. I just thought it was an excellent first move. Like, hey, you know what? We're going to bring in Leslie Frazier. Guy's been a head coach. He knows what he's doing. One of the really well-respected people in the league and name brand defensive guy over his career. I thought that was a really strong statement about who Mike McDonald is and what he wants to do. Yeah, I like that cut uh, that we just played in the promo from Bump and Stacy, and when Mike McDonald joined them right after the presser the uh, last week when he said our whole theme, and you're going to hear me say this a lot, is chasing edges. Mm-hmm. How do we chase chasing edges? How do we find an edge in this league? And that's not just schematic, although you're going to hear a lot of his defense setting that edge like Bill Belichick did for decades in New England. And like his groups have done at a really high level in Baltimore, Michigan the last three years, but chasing edges. Okay, we need, I need somebody. I need a sounding board. I need somebody that's been a former coach. I need somebody that's that's been in these shoes. It's got a wealth of wisdom, decades of contacts and relationships. And as they round out the rest of the staff, mm-hmm. having Leslie Frazier, Frazier in there that's been a bunch of places and has that experience to know people and connect with people, yeah, that's chasing a pretty good edge. Well, me. and as we've seen, it is it is a battle, right? I mean, Leslie Frazier had other options and other offers yep. open to him. The fact that he chooses to come here and the fact that he's now here, hopefully that allows them to win more of those battles to bring in more of the assistant coaches that they really want. I was not familiar with the name Joe Cullen. He's a defensive line coach in Kansas City. Apparently he is in line, uh, one of the people available for the uh, defensive coordinator job and on the offensive side Ryan Grubb mm-hmm. and what I mean there don't seem to be a lot of names right now nope uh, and, and, and maybe that we won't know the name of that particular hire who that's going to be but Ryan Grubb is still very much involved in those conversations I think would like to come back to the Pacific Northwest I think his wife would like to come back to the Pacific Northwest and to me that's just whether or not there's enough run game fit in his scheme to do it at the end. What do you think level. about the Bienemy stuff? I, we get so many texts about it. Would you have interest in Eric Bienemy as the offensive coordinator? I'd have interest in talking to him, but as you said before, there must be some other stuff. There must, and even this year in Washington, it wasn't a tremendous product on the field. Mm-hmm. And you heard Ron Rivera early in the year talk about it, and then he had to backpedal on it on just how he treats guys. He's volatile. I'll say that. His track record has been pretty volatile, and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid were the best thing for his career arc right. for that entire decade. That didn't mean he didn't play a role in it. He certainly did. But there's a volatility there that I think scares some people off. Here's the second thing 
you need We're to gonna go know. in depth on this here in about 20 minutes. But look, the Mariners offseason started bad, <laughs> just flat out bad, right? Jerry DePoto's comments, the terrible PR disaster, players in the clubhouse that were upset, then the payroll shrunk. It, it seemed like it was going to hit a true rock bottom. Yep. Since then, it's quietly been actually good and some of the moves that they've made to improve the offense even if it's only marginally not make the pitching any worse and now all of a sudden you make a move this weekend to bring in another top tier reliever and gregory santos you start you can start having at least some different conversations about what this team has done even if you're still frustrated about why it hasn't done more the seahawks are going to be about chasing edges the mariners are all about find a way Mm -hmm. what you wrote your column on last week after jerry uttered those three words with us so if we've got to uh, move on from one of our experienced arms in in justin topa in this bullpen we got to find a way if we got to move on from him from a value standpoint to bring back a polanco then we got to find a way and we got to find a way to bring in a guy that's got elite elite stuff that the that the numbers people just absolutely love in fact so much so they ranked uh, Gregory Santos is the number one wins above replacement reliever in the league mm-hmm. going into 2024. And you were able to get him with a 68th pick in the draft, a fourth outfielder, and in Baroa, a talented reliever, but one that certainly didn't make his mark with this organization. Well, I mean, a talented reliever who at his very best might be what Gregory Santos is. So, yeah, it's a... It's pretty interesting. It's a pretty interesting move. And yeah, we'll go into a lot greater depth coming up here in about 10 minutes. By the way, I also signed former Red Sox reliever Heath Embry to a minor league deal. Do you remember him, Brock, with his sort of uh, gnarly hair? I kind of do remember. Yeah, he's cut the hair, so he won't look like that anymore. But he... uh, he, he's We're going to have to do a lot of work over the next few weeks of names and faces. Okay. Because it's going to be a busy spring training. Here's the third thing you need to know. It's also Super Week. That's you don't right. want another uh, uh, Tom Murphy incident? Uh, 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 oh, yeah. What happened that with year? that? Yeah. Uh, he kept uh, calling. No, not kept. Just one time encounter, I think, with Colin O'Keefe because of his tats. Oh, right. That I random was catcher Tom guy. Murphy. Yeah. Yeah, that was tough. That screwed that sucker <laughs> That was tough. Tough look. Funny. Sure. That wasn't what was you needed. Uh, NFC beats the AFC, Brock. I know you were rooting hard for the NFC yesterday. No, I was not. I was rooting for Peyton to win in the AFC after oh. Eli got him the year before. Ah. Now, back-to-back years, little brother beats big brother. What's that about? messed up yeah that's not right i did watch a bunch of it what's the matter with you i don't know well mostly because titus wanted to watch it did seven he? on seven. Oh yeah seven on seven's a big deal junior high and high yeah. school salk big kind of recruiting avenue and he kind of wanted to watch it and gino threw two picks a pick six to dk where they were not on the same page i was like come on please <laughs> please but baker saved the day the nfc wins and Eli is, gets man. you know a two it's and oh to hold over his brother it's my guy baker right yeah. there all right uh, that's everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. Wazoo beats Washington in hoops and uh, double overtime game, Brock. Yeah. You remember how much we used to talk about Husky hoops? Yes. Do you remember how emotional I used to get? Yes. Probably the most emotional for any sporting team. Not even a probably. No. So invested in that. Get into your horse stance. And nobody's invested and it's broken. And it's probably the end. 
probably the end. Oh, for Mike Hopkins. Yeah, yeah it does sort of feel like they move into the Big Ten next year. Yeah, and, man, he's tried everything, and he's the greatest guy. He's like Such the a nice nicest dude, dude there yep. is. And you know they've gotten the transfer route, they've gotten this route, they've put some money into it, and it just is but, not. But now that the, the now that the football coach thing has sorted its way out, I mean, it felt like that took some of the spotlight off of whatever is going yep. on there. Yep. And it's hard to imagine that won't be an issue now. But it's hard hey. for me to imagine there's not enough talent in the state of Washington to win. Yeah, because that's what Lorenzo Romar largely did. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure he had to go out of state and go on the West Coast and everything else. But Brandon Roy was one of the centerpieces for his run. Isaiah Thomas, one of the centerpieces for his run. There is enough talent if you kept it all here. And I know they've got a talented kid that's committed to the program, played some ball down at Curtis High School. But, my gosh, it is just. That'd uh, be a bummer. I mean, I, I really, and, and that's one of those things where it's the person. I just really like Mike Hopkins. And yes. the time I've spent around him, I, I find him to be really engaging and a really good He's someone dude. you root for. But you've, yeah. you've been given so many opportunities here over the last few years, and it's just not been able to work. Yeah, that, that, that's a bummer. All right. Uh, coming up next, Brock, I said I wanted to go into a little bit more depth with the Mariners because there is one thing they could do that would just completely change everything. It's next on Brock and Salk. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. What a strange offseason for the Mariners where in some ways, Brock, massively disappointing massively frustrating and in other ways arguably the best offseason they've had in a few years mm-hmm. right kind of depending which way you want to look at it and it's fascinating to me that they have essentially gone about upgrading almost every position without sacrificing their nucleus third base would be the one spot that you'd probably circle and say it's hard to see that they've upgraded it mm-hmm. but According to the projections, they may have, right? The projections like Urias and Rojas together better than they like next year for Eugenio Suarez. Mm -hmm. So according to that, they maybe have upgraded it. But I think that one's going to be a hard sell given, you know, what we'd seen from Suarez for the last couple of years and just his defense, like all of it, the whole thing, the leadership and then just sort of the unknown factor and light hitting element of Rojas. So. But they seem to have upgraded their outfield. They seem to have upgraded second base significantly. They maybe have even now upgraded their bullpen, certainly the back end of it with what they did yesterday with Gregory you're, Santos. You're, for some reason, you're leaving out, as you did in your top five, you're leaving out Garver yeah, as a dozen. I, I, was just about to, I was just uh-huh. about to get there. Which and, is probably the biggest upgrade. The biggest thing they did was, was bring in a bat that was pretty legitimate. Mm-hmm. So you put all those things together – do you feel like they have upgraded their team? Do you feel like they're better today than they were last year? <clears throat> I, I think so. I, and, I, and they should absolutely start better in April. And, and if you know you really think about the last couple of years, it's been April and May that have been big, big culprits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't win a game in the first quarter or the second quarter, and you don't win a golf tournament in the first or the second round. You win it on the final Sunday and everything else. But you can really make it difficult on yourself if you dig yourself a big hole. In the last couple of years, Salk, April and May have been significant holes. And I think on paper, heading into a season with all of your arms that you did not give up on, the strength of your pitching staff, which was terrific last April and May as well. And now you've got some veterans that I think have a sense of what they're walking into. And this isn't an, an old A.J. Pollock, you know, that and you're just counting on a platoon or you're counting on Kellnick to take a step or you're counting 
on some of these components. You know, Julio in year three and in April and May mm-hmm. should be better than he's been. You know, Cal and JP and your pitching staff, and as you mentioned, a Garver in a seasoned bat, a Polanco in a seasoned bat that are not old bats, but they're seasoned. And they should be able to handle an April and May that really has been a, a just a bugaboo the last couple of years for this organization. So I do like that aspect heading in that I think you're built to handle some of the cold and some of the difficulties mm-hmm. that come in April and May. Yeah, I think they're better right now than they were certainly when last year started. And, you know, I, I that may be hard for a lot of folks because it didn't go the way they wanted it to or that I wanted it to. And yet some of the creativity that they've shown, if they can stay healthy, and that's, you're going to have to keep hitting that point over and over again because they got a lot of guys on this roster that have not been able to prove that over their over their careers, mm-hmm. they should actually have a better team than they did a year ago. Two big thoughts. The first one for me, and, and, and this one I'm sure will be playing to a lot of people's desires, if they were to right now sign one of the two remaining big free agents, Bellinger or Chapman, You'd be a much better team. Yeah. You would be one of the best teams in the league with just one of those signings. Seriously. Bellinger's a four-win player, depending on who you look at. Between Bellinger and and Matt Chapman, they both kind of profile as three-and-a-half to four-win players, depending on how you look at it. Mm -hmm. The current third-base platoon projects in the, like, 2.2 to 2.8 range you'd be a lot better off with either Chapman or Bellinger, mm-hmm. right? And and if you were to do it with Bellinger, obviously he goes to the outfield. If it's Chapman, then he goes to third base, and you just sort of have to you know find another spot or, or trade away some of the other guys from your platoon. Maybe you can bring back a reliever. I mean, what if what if what if John wakes up today and says, "You know what? I love the way you say John." <laughs> Stop it. What so if he easy. wakes up today and says, "Okay." These guys did an unbelievable job so far in this offseason. They have killed it. Given the constraints around them, what yep. they have built is really impressive. I, I got to find a way to finish the job. Go sign Matt Chapman. And all of a sudden, he slots into third base. Mm. What kind of team do you have? Mm. Oh, and by the way, go trade Urias, who still has some value out there, for a reliever. And just continue to add or for some pitching depth or whatever it is you feel like yep. is that last little piece you could use. Are you are you in any way worse than Texas or Houston at that point? I'm still going to give the edge to Baltimore. I think they're the best roster in the American League right now. Mm-hmm. And that's that would be my pick to to win the World Series if I had to guess today. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you'd be that far behind Baltimore. And I think you'd be right there with one of those additions and what else you could do with it. I think you'd be right there with Texas and Houston, who I think are both still flawed. Well, I think one thing it would do is not just win the PR vote. Mm-hmm. Because those those would be something a little different than all of these other quality moves. That those would be names that fans could hang on to and gravitate to. Yes, golly, I would think that Cal and JP and those guys that voiced some concerns at the end of last season, you make that move, would say, "All right, let's ride, let's go." Yeah. Okay. Now, and, now, and, and now I'm you've given me Garver, biggest Chapman fan. Like now I, you've given me Hanniger, and now you've given me Polanco, and now you've given me a stud reliever. Just give me one more. And just give me, give me one, one name, a guy who's been there a little bit. I mean, and Bellinger, if I had to choose between the two, I think Bellinger's a better player. I think Chapman's a better fit on your roster. But, okay, 
I mean, if you sign Bellinger to a three or four year deal, and I don't know what he's going to end up getting. I mean, the fact that it's February 5th and neither of these guys has a contract certainly plays into your favor. On the other hand, the fact that teams like San Francisco, Chicago, that were in on the on the yes. Shohei Otani bidding and then didn't get him, they still yes. have some money left to go spend. OK, well, that that hurts. But. That's all it takes right now is money. Is this a uh, is this a Chris Jones conversation? Remember we had that when he was sitting out and how much fun it was and hypothesizing. Well, maybe maybe there's a chance to trade for him and they end up obviously trading for Leonard Williams. But remember when he was unhappy about his contract, he wanted an extension and everything else. And you and I, you know, love the idea mm-hmm. that the Brady Hendersons and others come around and kind of hit us over the head like, yeah, bro, not gonna happen. He's gonna. He's doing all of this to posture to get his money in Kansas City. He's not leaving Kansas City to come to Seattle. Yada yada yada. And obviously that happened. Is this just wholly unrealistic? You're not. You're not going to do a three or four year deal. The only way one of these falls is on a one year proven. That's right? not going to happen. Not going to happen. Zero zero point zero. The Bellinger had to do a one year prove it last. He, he year. already did it and he proved it. Yes. So I I don't I don't see any way. Espe- I don't see any way Bellinger's coming. Chapman. On a one-year deal? Yeah, maybe. Chapman in the boat that Bellinger was last year? Like, hey. Remember that Chapman turned down, what, four years 100 from Toronto? Mm. So, I don't know, man. I, that, that that feels hard for me to, to fathom. But, you know, two-year deal, four-year deal with an opt-out to give him an opportunity to go somewhere else if he kills it and wants to try to go make more money. Mm-hmm. I think those things would be really worth the Mariners' time. I'm not saying they're going to happen, but I do think that that one move – would and again, not necessarily would a JD my favorite Martin, player. Would a JD Martinez move that? No needle. I would, just don't see how you could add JD Martinez to would this. Would a Solaire move that needle? I don't. I think the fact that both of those guys need to play DH as much as they do. So any would of be those hard. kind of veteran bats that are still remaining, still out. There's not really a, a veteran bat outside of Chapman or Bellinger that's going to move the needle. I don't way. see one. Solaire would probably be the other one, and. I'd have some real worry about the amount you'd want him to play right field if that okay. was the case. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I, I think that, that there is something to either Chapman or Bellinger. Do I think it's going to happen? Not necessarily, but what a huge bummer because that would really complete what has already been a pretty good offseason that has made them marginally better. Yep. The second question, and this is going to frustrate some people when I ask it, is there any part of you that wonders – if the payroll restrictions have forced them to be creative and actually made the team better. Hmm. Yeah, I'm probably in that frustrated camp because those don't have to be mutually exclusive. Totally agree. But the they, icing, but the, sometimes the money, they are. I know, but the, the, the money is just the icing on the end of it. It's what Benetti said last hour. Like, man, the Mariners are one of these organizations that drafts and develops I know. and trades. And you're seeing that, right? This whole offseason has been the, the trade component of it and the development of your I, own people. I, I, I guess the reason I say it, Brock, is, and, and I'm really kind of just asking the question for conversation's sake a little bit, but I think the Mariners did the right thing by trading Eugenio Suarez. Quite frankly, if they had been forced to trade him a year earlier, mm-hmm. that would have been better for the team. They got an unbelievable performance out of him his first year here, wrote, got his value to an absolute peak. And if they had if they had been forced to act like the Rays act, yeah. they would have traded him when they should have traded him, which was a year ago instead of this year. Yeah. And they would have gotten significant value back for him instead of just essentially a salary dump. So I, I I think so at like 130 million or so, kind of where you sit payroll wise, mm-hmm. you're just kind of in the middle. 
right? You're not one of these teams. Isn't 145? Isn't that where they're at? 140, 145? Somewhere around there. But it's kind of middle of the pack, right? Mm-hmm. 17th, 18th, 60, yeah. whatever it is. So you're not one of those that lives in the Oakland, Tampa, like, sorry, you know, you're 70 million, 60 million. This is it. And you're going to have to make those moves. You're certainly not one in the 250 to $300 million range that can just go buy anything. You're kind of right in the middle yeah. is, is, is to the point you're, you're talking about. But with having to restrict and come down a little bit this year, you're actually having to be a little more creative and do what some of those really low-budget teams yeah, How are you do. going to get better without spending more money? And when you throw that challenge at somebody in your organization – they had they were forced to do things a little bit differently than they probably would have otherwise and they might have had an even better off season if they had had an additional 20 million dollars to spend my guess is they would have yeah. but i do think it's kind of interesting that they the only counter i have to that yeah. is the more that we hear once these deals are finally consummated and done the more we hear that oh this is years in the making mm-hmm. you know that we just think that this is like a, a right now like okay so now this this little restraints put on us or this constraints put on us and we got to you know ramp these things many of these are in the works yeah, players for, that they've often wanted for yes. a long period of time but i don't think that the suarez deal is like that right trading a eugenio in that moment and saying okay we're just going to move on from a guy that's been one of the leaders of this team for a couple of years now because we kind of have to yeah. and if you want to clear up that payroll space we have to do it this way and you have to trade robbie ray and you have to trade marco gonzalez you have to find a way well, to clear that space is it perfect no and i and i'm i'm still not here to tell you that the mariners now have done like you know the world's greatest job and now they're a world series contender i'm not mm-hmm. saying that I know that there are some people that are hearing that. For the love of God, Salt, please stop spewing a false narrative and bailing out ownership. I'm not. I, 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 they should spend more money. Yep. They should go get one or two more good players. I'm not bailing them out at all. But Jerry Depoto's not in ownership, nor is Justin Hollander. Mm-hmm. They were given a budget. And I'm really impressed with what they did with it right now. Gosh, and if you would have said, hey, when the season ended and some of those conversations happened, right, in the – in the really rough PR end of season press conference and a week later, Salk, or two weeks later there in November, if I would have said to you, we're going to have a show on a Monday, February 5th, right? and this is what the lineup is going to look like. This is what their 25, 20, 30-man roster is going to look like. And oh, by the way, I also told you on February 5th, mm-hmm. Matt Chapman's still available. Cody Bellinger's still available. We're like a week away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Well, and two weeks still from, available, yeah. Yep, and from the whole deal – and man alive, if you want to spin that and just change that and get on that teeter-totter and flip it 180 the other way over the course of three months, mm-hmm. an addition to one of those guys, from a perception standpoint, and I don't know how much that really does matter, but from a narrative and a perception matters or not. I mean, it's a good question. Does it matter? Does it matter? Does it matter to your clubhouse? That's all I care about. Honestly, that 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 has to be the only noise that you care about. I think that how depends on would, whether the clubhouse knows about Jorge Polanco and you know how they feel about those guys, or whether they're as caught up in the names as as a lot of other folks are. I don't know the answer to that. I think they tend to be caught up in names, just just like just like we are. I think they tend to believe that a name is better than a non-name because they became a name for a reason. Maybe some. I don't think Cal Raleigh is. I think he knows every single game of every single series how we got to try to get guys out mm-hmm. and from behind the plate like a manager, and that's why most managers are former catchers. I think he, in his words, resonate with me. Like, I, I know what quality impact is. I know what a quality yeah. about is. I know that Jorge Polanco is a quality dude that can be tough to get out. I know that when... 
um, Haniger gets on a heater, you know, for three weeks, he can carry a team as well. And when healthy, is but a they also productive but player. they also know who Bellinger is, and they, they know what he's done. And I, and I, and I do think that there is that element. But you know, look at. <laughs> No one's going to trust me right now on this, and I understand why, because I hyped up last year's team, and I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Flat out. Got it wrong. Sorry. I, I raised my hand. I got it wrong. I don't know how many more times I can say it. Don't trust me on this. Just look at the projections. Look at mm-hmm. the smart people who put together the computer projections, and they'll tell you that there is a lot of reason to like what they've done with their lineup, and obviously you love their rotation, and all of a sudden you add this guy uh, uh, yesterday or over the weekend to your bullpen, Gregory Santos. Gregory Santos, and you can add him to your list of injury concerns, right? Finished last year in the IL, had some elbow inflammation, but he's 24, not 34. Mm-hmm. This is what I got. I have a buddy in Chicago. I texted him about this. He works in the business. Here was what he said about Santos. Crazy, nasty stuff. Seen him dominate and scare really good hitters in big moments. Seems to have a big, I don't give a bleep about anything factor. Not necessarily in a bad way. Like, he's unaffected by expectations. Kind of reminds me of Manny Ramirez's personality in that way. But if you have leaders who can relate to him on the staff and on the roster, you might have just stolen a closer. He projects as the number one reliever in the league, according to Fangraphs. Munoz... Brash, both in the top 11. You also have some other guys that the projections like in Sacedo and Spire. All right, add that to what did what is the Ken Rosenthal thing last week? Mariners have five of the top 41 starters in the game. Mm-hmm. Five of the top 41. Think about that. If every team, if you just like went around... If you were one of the best pitching staffs, you'd have two of the top 41. Instead, they have five of the top 41 starters projected in Major League Baseball. And if your lineup is just you'd a actually little have bit 1.3, not even two. If there's 30 Major League Baseball teams and there's 41. Well, right. So. What I was saying is that like the like, like 10 of the teams, right, or 11 of the teams would get mm. two. Everybody else would get one. You have five. One. Yeah. I, I mean, like. I, I, and you didn't I'm give not, up any of them. You didn't give you have up to give any it up. of them. I'm not I'm really not trying to sell anybody on this. I'm just pointing out some of what's been said elsewhere. I think this sure. is a good question. The 360 says serious question. Not They're not trying to be antagonistic here. What were the projections for the Mariners last year? Wasn't it 84 yeah, wins? 85 and a half. Or 85, 85 and a half. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I don't know Depending. what the projection number is right now. I haven't looked at that yet. Uh, I will do that uh, hopefully before tomorrow and take a look and see what the projected win total is. So I haven't, I haven't looked at that. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> they, they could be good guys yeah. they could be good when you start putting some of those some of those things together and yeah 360 points out that in addition to five pitchers in the top 41 three of them are in the top 10 in terms of their odds to win a Cy Young award three in the top 10 they have the best George rotation Logan in baseball Luis. on paper mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they have one of if not the best bullpen in baseball on paper and they still got Julio Rodriguez and a cast of characters around him that looks a little bit better than last year on paper. I'm looking at no, Zips I, right now, and it says the Mariners look like a team that's likely to win 85 to 90 games if you believe Zips. Yep. Or Sorry, I'm on fan graphs. Yeah. Well, Zips is pretty good. Yep. Zips is a pretty good indicator of what teams are going to or what teams and what players are going to do. 
Yeah, this may be, and this is again just back to the the total numbers of it all. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this a little bit last week, and and Luke Arkins is always such a great help to me as he just navigates all He's of these. He's like sites. your intern, kind of. Oh uh, no, you no, kind no, of no, treat no. him like your intern. No, I try not to. No. <laughs> I try, I try, I try to always give him credit where credit is due. Interns, yeah. we don't always do that. That's your job to do. It's just to to work doggedly <laughs> kind of. so hard for us. Yeah, most um, of them don't. But, Lu- but Luke is a guy that in in you know last week because you know that you finished the year twelfth in runs, twelfth in runs scored. Like, mm-hmm. but yet if you watch the Mariners as we did closely every single day and every single night, it was just maddening because it felt like so many games. Yeah, if they could just score three runs. And I think Luke Arkins would make a pretty strong narrative in case that the biggest key is consistency. That Julio can't have a couple of the dry months that he had. Right, The inconsistency of Suarez's bat, bat that went dead cold. Teo, two of the greatest months that you could have and two of the lowest valleys that you could have. Mm-hmm. That if this crew with some veteran pieces and, and maybe a little different, maybe I put too, I, I do. I put too much into the coaching. I'm a son of a coach. Football is a lot about X's and O's. It's about the Jimmy's and Joe's, but it's about the X's and O's and as baseball's well. baseball's not. And baseball's not. But I can't get away from the fact that the organization said, you know what, let's do something about this. Mm-hmm. Let's get a few more contact guys. Let's, let's bring in Brant Brown for a position that's not just a hitting coach, but actually like an offensive coordinator and go into these games. So you know what we can try to do? Level off these peaks and valleys as, as much as we possibly can. Yeah, that Because would be if Julio does not have two and a half really wretched months, I mean, he's Ronald Acuna plus. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to carry this team. Mm-hmm. Like, like like the elite, elite superstars do. Well, and it does seem like that's what they went out and tried to acquire this offseason. Guys, at least some of them, that should be able to even that off a little bit. I think that's what Polanco's all about at second base. Yep. I don't think that's Hanniger. I think Hanniger is absolutely, even when healthy, boom or bust. Boom or bust. Yep. But yep. I think that's Mitch Garver, a guy who can be a little bit more consistent. And, you know, even on the sort of fringes of your roster, again, last year, Cooper Hummel and Tommy Listella were both forgetting about whether they started. They're both on the opening day roster. Mm-hmm. One of them was at least supposed to. The other guy, okay, fine, Dylan Moore was hurt. But you don't have to do that this year. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. I mean, like, you've replaced those guys right now, with much right better now, players. Right now. Now, you got to get through February. Yep. You got to get through March. You got to get through spring training. You got to make sure you get all your horses, man, to the stable and that these guys are ready to go because there are a bunch that have a pretty prolonged injury report. Mm-hmm. Mitch Hanniger and Polanco, have certainly over the last couple of years, fall right into oh, that old Garver as well. Throw Garver in there, yep. Yes. So, yeah, keeping these guys and making sure they're geared up and they are healthy and they are ready to go and can sustain even in those early, cold, yeah. wet, heavy marine layer. Everything you also have to deal with and contend with in April yeah. and May here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Salk, project in the Mariners' win total is one thing. Projecting the Mariners' win total is one thing, but how do they check? How do they compare to Houston and Texas? Wins are good, but first or second place is better. Agreed. Mm-hmm. As I said, I think they need to add one more piece to really be there with those two teams right now. I would have them below both Houston and Texas and certainly below Baltimore. That that would be, you know, just kind of looking at it from my perspective, I would have them below those teams. But I don't have them that far below them. I think that's the point. And if and and I think that's why understandably there's still this huge level of frustration because you're not that far away. You're not 10 games worse than Houston or Texas. Nope. Right now, you're like three games worse than Houston or Texas, which is why a marginal upgrade from the two and a half wins to the four wins you might get from a Chapman or maybe even a little bit more from a Bellinger, 
That's why they matter. Because I honestly think you're only a couple of wins behind them. I don't think this is like an un... You know, Brock, you sent me some video of Macy, mm-hmm. your daughter, to show Cecily you know, what, she, what it could look like if she keeps working on her ball handling. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do it. I didn't show it to her. I thought about it. And Heather and I talked about it. And we said, you know what? I'm not going to show it to her because there's actually a lot of research that shows when people are first learning something, you don't want to show them too much of what it would look like all the way at the end. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the idea of getting there is so daunting yep. that it, it almost backfires in terms of motivation. Uh-huh. And so knowing her a little bit, I decided not to show it to her, even yep. though it was ridiculous. And Mason's yep. awesome. I think there is something to that with the Mariners. Like, you're not 15 games behind. You're not the Angels. Mm-mm. You don't not have a shot. You're right there. And I think, understandably, once again, just like last year, that's where some of this frustration sits. Like, guys, a two-win upgrade might be all this team needs to surpass Texas, who, by the way, just watched Corey Seager have a hernia surgery, and we'll see what that's going to look like, a core injury to a player like that. Houston has not had as good an offseason as they have the last few years. Like, there's some real hope, but you've but you've got to make sure you get to that next level. So yep. if anybody wants to hear a message sitting over Gosh. in Marinersville today, just sign one guy. What you could do with one signing. If you signed Bellinger and then decided, okay, I guess we can afford to trade Dominic Canzone because of that and bring back a really high-quality reliever, how much better is your team? If you were to do the same with Luis Urias, if you signed Chapman, how much better is your team? You're not that far off. Get over the top, and man, would this be a really, really fun year.